0: Much cup to be a chock, and you listen to be a chock, but you can amp, amenable, my stranger, more. So, this very last line of the English translation, I believe these particular translations I uh, took from. Uh Swami Srila Prabhupada's Charitamrita. Um, pretty sure. If not there, from uh, Gurudev's uh book. But I believe these these ones I took from uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And we noticed at the end of the second, Prabhupada's translated uh the last two, two sentences, it says, My dear Lord, although you bestow all mercy upon the fallen conditioned souls by liberally teaching your holy name, I am so unfortunate that I commit offenses while chanting the holy name, and therefore I do not achieve attachment for chanting. And so this is our objective is to become aware of what are the offenses, what are the anarthas, and what are the operades. Uh, as we mentioned last time, anarthas being uh, those pesky little bad habits we have, coming from its time immemorial. In, in and the bad habits also go up and down. As time goes forward, we go From one body to another, sometimes we're in the mode of goodness, sometimes we're in the mode of passion, sometimes we're in the mode of ignorance. Uh, So, when we come into contact with Krishna's devotees, with the sadhu, um, and we're introduced uh, to Krishna consciousness, um, there are two factors at play. Uh, The first is, where are we at at that point in time in the continual cycle of birth and death, of comings and goings, of being high and being low? Uh, Did we just fall from the position of a a great sadhu uh, in the heavenly planets? Did we have all kinds of mystic powers? Did we come from a position of complete ignorance? Are we coming just back into material life after Messing up so bad, uh, you know we've been in a, an animal form for some time, so we don't we don't know where we stand. it's kind of hard we we can get some pers- some kind of conception based on the way we act in life and the family we're born into and all those things have some bearing upon what brings us to this particular body, and those influences. Would be what would fall under the category, at least our missteps in those particular, in this coming into a human form of life, or coming back into a human form of life, or descending into a human form, or elevating into a human form. Somehow or other, we're here now, and there's some background. And with the background comes the baggage, and the baggage is our prior conditioning. And the prior conditioning, based on our prior involvement, is predominantly colored by one of the three modes of material nature. Predominantly. Why do we say predominantly? Because what do we find in the material atmosphere? None of these modes are ever displayed purely. You're not going to find a purely ignorant person. That's all ignorance and no mixture of anything else. Nor are you going to find a purely motive goodness person, or the motive passion person. You're not going to find a pure representation, because Krishna Himself says there's always a mixture. We're we're always in, we're influenced in different ways to different degrees. the modes of material nature so we're coming to a human form of life from some background and you can get a little bit of an inkling you're born into one family at least you may be born with a silver spoon in your mouth or you may be destitute on the streets so that has some bearing, some influence on How we will respond to that ingress of Krishna through Shakti, his spiritual potency, which is coming through his devotees. So we'll come. We come into contact with the devotees, and they have some effect. And that effect will be, I mean, if we're in ignorance, okay, let's put ourselves in ignorance, complete ignorance, completely intoxicated do nothing but sleep and we have no interest really in life at all we're just we're molded out (laughs) you know how much are we going to be able to hear how much are we going to be able to take advantage what's going to come in when everything that we've surrounded ourselves with is nothing but the, the darkness of material existence just eating sleeping, mating, defending just overcome And of course, goodness, well, maybe we have an intellect and we can hear, because we have some intelligence and our mind is somewhat developed from our prior activities. So when we hear somebody that speaks fluently in spirituality, it's like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Of course, that also can work just as much to our disadvantage as being in the mode of ignorance, because being in the mode of goodness and having a good intellect we think we know it all. So what can he tell me that I don't already know? I'm a come on. I have a Ph.D. in applied physics. What can this guy say that I will help me? We're at a disadvantage, no matter from whatever mode we're coming from. There, there's a disadvantage there. One thing's influencing. That's coming entirely from the material side. And then there's another influence. And the other influence is maybe, somehow by some amazing circumstance knowingly, primarily unknowingly we do some service for Krishna's devotees. Krishna's devotee may not even know it. We may open a door for them. We may not know who they are. We may not know what their influence is. But Krishna knows. He said, oh, you've opened the door for my devotee. How nice of you. He doesn't discriminate. He is so magnanimous that there's no discrimination on his part. So when he sees that, he takes note of it. Ajnata Sukriti. Sukriti, some good fortune for us coming without knowledge on our part. We may hear a kirtan. We may hear the devotees.
1: We may be offended by
0: them in our current state of mind. Listen to those guys. What a noise. Let's walk to the other side of the street. I don't want to hear that. But there's something you're hearing. There's something there. Or you're mocking them. So all this kind of activity falls into a category that Bhakti Vinod applied to terminology. That it's 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 a boss. It's a shadow. We chant mockingly, you know, we, we may we may imitate. It's not the real thing. Krishna doesn't care. He didn't really care when Putana came and wasn't the real thing. So, what to speak of somebody as insignificant as ourselves, we come into contact. So, we do so. We get some sukriti, some good pious credit. Not piety in the material sense, but spiritual piety. And that spiritual piety, that goes into, Prabhupada used to use the uh, nomenclature, spiritual bank account and guess what, in a spiritual bank account there's never a withdrawal now I know we hear the sadhus say I give you all my good fortune but there's something about true spiritual good fortune you can give away all that you have and nothing is lost so yes, the sadhu can give you all his good fortune But after he's given it, he's such a receptacle to spiritual life that he's immediately full again. So it's an amazing, amazing thing. So we're coming, and we're coming from this background. And these influences are there. One entirely from the material field, and the other some spiritual background. And it may be pronounced. It may be very pronounced. We see that sometimes somebody just walks in the door, and two weeks later they seem to know all the prayers. They can play Madunga perfectly, and they know how to worship the deity. It's like, wow, where'd that come from? How did that happen so fast? I've been here four years, and I can't even remember, you know, a, a one verse. I'm having a hard time with. But here, are this other, so these. We can see, we can observe, we can practically experience in our Sangha, in the association of Krishna's devotees, we can see these things and how they manifest. So people come, some people come, and just as quickly as they come, they go. No loss. Krishna guarantees that in Bhagavad Gita. No loss or divination. Whatever they came, they came, they tried, and, okay, so it didn't work, so they come back. These are good lessons for us. Because we see, uh, they leave for a couple years, and even though they now had a little knowledge of how to really enjoy material nature, because they understand how it works, it didn't work for them again. So they're back at the door. Can I come? Can I stay? Can I attend? And if they're, if they're fortunate, and they haven't committed, because the devotees are so merciful, no matter what our background, what we've done, no matter what we do to them, it seems, they tolerate all of it, and they always, always welcome us back now the dust at the feet of those devotees is another thing the dust at the feet is a little bit more protective of the devotees oh well last time you were here all you could do is find fault with everybody last time you were here I remember you only wanted to go out with all the women and have some illicit arrangement you I remember were sitting in the treasury stealing the money and you were being neglectful All right, let's come back let's try again so, the trying is there. Coming and going. We're going to concentrate on coming to the platform where the comings and goings are minimized. If not completely eliminated. And the comings and goings aren't only that we walk in the door and associate with the devotees and are able to stay. The comings and goings are happening in Every day, day in and day out. And where are they coming and going? They're coming right up here. The mind is saying, Oh, yes, today, look, the deity looks so wonderful. I'm, when I come, I'm looking at the deities, but I want to touch the feet of the deity. I want the dust of the lotus feet of the devotees and the deities, and I want to do some service. And five minutes later, the mind's like, Boy, I'd like to go and Go and get on my computer. I I, I want to see what somebody said, or I, you know, maybe I could watch a movie. I really don't feel like doing anything today. I re really, service. I, I got rounds to do. I can't do any service right now. I got rounds. You notice it's interesting if you study the the uh, the goings on in the ashram of uh, well, it would be my grandfather. Your great grandfather, spiritual grandfather Bhakti Sadhanta Saraswati when there was some service to do he would leave the devotees when they had something to accomplish for him some work, practical with the hands on work when they had to do that there was no question of rounds doing something for the Sangha took precedent over rounds took precedent over vows At one point, he sent one of his disciples on John Mostamy into town to do something. I forget what the pastime exactly was. But he dispatched him. You go pick up this man or you go do this work. And he said, well, I have to fast all day. I'll have no energy. He says, who said no fasting for you today? You are working. Amazing, huh? That he put that much emphasis, even so much, even so I mean we, we think we're liberal Bhakti Siddhanta was willing to feed meat to guess if they would hear Harikatha talk about liberal I don't think we'd do that in our Sunday but he was in a circumstance time, place and circumstance he was trying to make some significant influence in society. And what was the society he was in? He was in the society of oppressors. The English. The dominators of the world. And he felt at that time. It was important. To, 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 to have them. have some understanding. Of true spirituality. That he would go completely. Out of his way. To accommodate them. And ride around in the car and dress in the suit and you know wear the shoes this is this is this is a devotee who for nine or ten years did nothing but chant how many lakhs I forget it was a, a three billion was a daily oh and the the total count I I don't know what was it a billion or a trillion huh? billions Billions. didn't stop until he'd done that so we could see in both ways we come sometimes you know we hear you you know Guru Maharaj will say well Bhakti is pretty special because on one hand you have Bhakti you know receiving instruction from his father his one guru receiving instruction you need to preach you need to spread Krishna consciousness follow in my footsteps and he has his, he has his, uh, his guru you know, Gora Kishore, and Gora Kishore saying well I want you to uh, Bhajan Anandi it's, uh, you know, it, it is more critical So he did both. I mean, eight or nine years, ten years of nothing but chanting. This is pretty much (laughs) bajon. So, these two influences are there coming from our background. The influence of material nature, which is distinct, but it quickly, quickly dissipates. Uh, and especially in the association of devotees the the prarabdha karma is is, is is it's dissipating so quickly uh, so and the other influence the sakriti the secreti is building up and as i said we see devotees come some devotees come and never go some devotees come and go some devotees come once and never come back but it's never lost that sukriti is there it's building up until the point they'll also come and go and after that they'll come and never go so in, in the association of devotees we're always we have to see all these things in perspective we never look upon Krishna's devotees in a material way. Now, of course, the mind is going to say differently. Therefore, where where do we get our vision, our way of seeing, our way of interacting with people? You know. What do we call that? Shastra. Shastrash what is it? Shastra Shashush. Shastra, huh? He does say. Seeing through the eyes of scripture, having enough background in scripture or in hearing from the spiritual master, hearing from the sadhus, having enough background to know how to view Krishna's devotees, how to view them without letting our mind view them according to our unfortunate circumstance at the time. Sometimes we're in a good mood sometimes, sometimes we're Some days we're Krishna conscious And other days We're just not into it I mean, be honest We have to be honest These things come and go Our practice goes up and down So what do we want? We want steadiness We want steadiness We want the misfortune of unsteadiness We want the influence of the fickle mind To dissipate Where there's no question of going So, Madhurya Kadambani, this cloud bank of nectar given to us by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, is to that end. To that end of being able to easily deal with the mind. Either by ignoring it or tolerating it. And, as I said, we have those offenses, offensive mentalities, bad habits, anarthas, coming from our conditioning. And on the other hand, we have spiritual engagements that we're, we're asked and requested to do by the guru, by the spirit, you know, by, by the sadhus. And we have to do those in a way that they're pleasing. They're done in a pleasing manner. And if, we, if we're if we not careful, then unpleasant devotional activity results in what? Then we go from the fact that it's just a bad habit an artha to an operad, we're we're doing service in a in a bad mentality, coming from a you know we're letting the, our modes, our conditioning, we're letting it creep into our devotional service to the extent that it, it becomes an interference. And what happens when that happens? When our mind becomes an interference with productive devotional activity? then that's 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 an operat, and that that becomes an imp- a serious impediment. so we want to avoid those we want to avoid operad at all cost. we do not we want to want to become a disturbance in the society of devotees. so sometimes the best course is, to do that is to be able to recognize when the mind is when the mind's out of control, step back. Don't engage. Just truly try to become a little humble on those days. A little, it's a fact. These, it's not that we're, that we're walking on pins and needles, although my spiritual master said spiritual life sometimes is like walking on a razor's edge. If you're not real careful, like if you're walking on a tightrope, there's every chance that you're going to stumble, and when you stumble, when you're walking on a razor's edge, well, that can result in some extreme pain, like walking on a, a bed of nails. It's okay, as long as it's one foot in front of the other, very carefully set down, but if you're not paying attention to what you do and you stumble, uh, you know, you don't want to fall on a bed of nails. Although you could all, all of us probably navigate one if we're very careful and took our time. Be very careful. Take your time. Don't become a disturbance in the, in the community of devotees. And when the mind's rampant and the anger's taking over or any of these emotions that could possibly result in me. Doing anything that would offend in any way a devotee, I want to back off. I want to relax. And if by chance I know I went over the line, the mind got the better of me, I snapped, I did something. Then we pray for composure, and once we have composure, we we beg the devotee, can I, can you please? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And if we're so damned egotistical, we can't even do that, then do some service to them. And they may be so mad because we did offend them, they don't even want service from us. So then we have to go and we have to sneak around and do something for them until we can again get in their good graces. And look to the community of devotees in these relationships with the devotees. The same way you'd look at your relationship with your spiritual master. Because sometimes, you can get on the... You, you know, you just mess up. He doesn't want to see you. Doesn't want to talk to you. I mean, he's he's he's, he's already there at the more tolerant in the tree and no <laughs> false prestige. But still... He wants to teach you a lesson and he lets you know, you know, you've gone over the line. Same thing. We, we, we want to be careful. So, Madhurya Kadambani is going to teach us some ways to recognize these things and how to take care. So this evening, we're going to go over the first verse or two and kind of look at some of the content at the, of the Mandalacharna. I'll read it again. We read it at the uh, end of the introduction to this series of talks. And uh, we'll go a little deeper into some of what's presented in the first and second verse, if we can get that far this evening. So Vishwanath opens his book with, The causeless and completely independent mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahabrabhu is like a cloud bank of escape exquisitely sweet nectar that infuses life in the grains of ninefold bhakti in the devotee's heart, from the very beginning of its appearance, extinguishes the scorching somber heat of material desires, and gives joy to the universal river of living beings. May those nectar clouds, even from afar, refresh me, a dried-up tree, in the desert. In the Sanskrit verse at the very end, this terminology is there. Maha Madhurya Kadamban. Madhurya, the sweetness, the rain cloud, but not just any rain cloud. Maha. Unfathomably large, you can't, I mean, Maha. It's like the very best. The best of the best. Rain clouds of transcendental nectar are coming through the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. How rare? Unimaginably rare. Once in the day of Brahma. After the event of Krishna, we have the event of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna's trying to complete his his understanding, his pastime. He needs to complete the pastime. He needs to completely enter into what is that manifestation of Raj Bhakti and specifically that Bhakti of his topmost devotee, Srimati Radharani. In the uh, Purport by Ananda Das Babaji, he mentions that particularly this book should be looked at somewhat if we, if we properly apply ourselves to understanding what Vishwaras is trying to give us here, we'll see that it's, it's like a thermometer. And if you take, if you take temperature with a th- thermometer, you know exactly where you stand. So similarly, he says that if we seriously apply ourselves to this book, by Vishwanath, Durya Kadamani, we should be able to take our spiritual temperature, to know where we stand, to know how well or ill we are. So, he brings that out. And, then he starts providing support for what Vishwanath has presented in his opening Mangalacharana verse. So first, regarding the sweetness of, of the Supreme and specifically the sweetness of Mahaprabhu's dispensation, but really what is where is that sweetness coming from? That sweetness is coming from the sweetest of the sweet, Krishna, Krishna's manifestation of Rajlila. lila from the chaitanya charitamrita Madhyalila, there's a verse there 21st chapter of the Madhyalila, madhurya bhagavata sara and what that translates to is such sweetness is the quintessence of his qualities The sweetness of Krishna is, what does this mean, quintessent? Quintessential. best of the best, yes. He's saying that this sweetness is the best of the best of Krishna's qualities. That's good, that's nice. But there's also another quality of Krishna's that I've also heard is the best of the best so when you look at Krishna's qualities can we really say one's better than another or all the sweetest ones together are the quintessence so what's that other very very magnanimous quality of Krishna's (coughs) Dr. Hmm? yes his mercy is that what you meant? favoring his devotees partial his devotees partial to his devotees yes this mercy this special dispensation for the devotees is also sometimes pointed out to be This is this is one of the sweetest qualities of Krishna Anyway, Madhurya, Bhagavata, Sara, Chaitanya that the sweetness of Krishna's is, is, is the quintessence. Um, so how does this add up? I mean, we have the Supreme Lord, the Supreme Godhead, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and to us, Gaudius. it's not all the same not all Vaishnavs look at the supreme with the same vision that we look at the supreme do they we look at a particular way what's our angle of vision where do we get our angle of vision I think that's a good starting point what is our angle of vision Our angle of vision is coming through where? Through Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we enter into Krishna Lila through Sri Chaitanya. So when we talk about entering into understanding the Supreme Godhead through Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, entering into God consciousness, Krishna consciousness, through Sri Chaitanya, then naturally that means what? That means that we enter into an understanding of devotional service through what has been well, codified by the architects of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. And it's interesting, when we come to the second verse, we'll see how this happened. Because it's pointed out how Specifically, Rupa Goswami, we find in the pages of Jaitanya Charta how Rupa Goswami was specifically entered into by Sri Chaitanya and completely empowered. So this he did with the Goswamis. He empowered those. So we look to our Sampradaya and we look to our vision of God through the architects of the the Buddha Gaudiasan Pradaya, who have been empowered by Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, specifically the six Goswamis. Who what? What were they empowered to do specifically, primarily? To what? To to Krishna had only been gone what? Four or five thousand years. And, st- and everything that had practically already been completely lost. So the Goswamis, not only did they have to put under Sri Chaitanya's direction, not only did they have to put the proper philosophical and theistic presentation together. So they had to put they had to put back together the proper understanding of the Supreme Lord who had just been here well it wasn't yesterday but it was a few yesterdays five thousand years and humanity is a long time we can really mess a lot up in five thousand years what to speak of in a whole day of Brahma from one from one appearance of Krishna to the next appearance of Krishna yada Bharata bhava whenever and wherever there these things get lost I come I have to come sometimes myself or I empower somebody and i I put things back in line we're looking at the supreme we're looking at God we're looking at the personality of Godhead through a particular Angle of vision, and that angle of vision is the vision of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And therefore, we take our understandings through our specific acharyas priyogin Acharya, Raghunath Das, Sambandha in a relationship, Sanatanga Swami primarily. Abhideya. Rupa Goswami. How to practice. How to to approach the practice. How to frame our consciousness in a way that it is Krishna consciousness. Jiva Goswami. Mm -hmm. Basically, he is what? He's the bedrock. He pulls all of the Siddhanta and completely verifies it with all the whole copus of Vedic knowledge and shows, yes, this, this particular presentation of God consciousness is completely supported. What you're hearing from the Gaudiyas, I can support all of it. Bring it on. You have some objection, bring it on. Let's go at them one by one. We have this solid foundation. But our, our vision, as I said, is not the vision of all Vaishnavas, is it? There are other groups of Vaishnavas. They have a different vision. The Sri Sampradaya. Their vision? Well, who, who's the supreme Godhead there? Narayan. Lakshmi Narayan. And who's Krishna to them? Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an avatar. It's, it's, a, it's a pastime. Ooh, we don't look at it that way. Okay. Vishwanath even says, I mean, Krishna Kavi Raja even says, all right, we'll give it to you. Go ahead. If you need to say that, nothing wrong with it. But the Gopis will have nothing to do with it. The gopis are looking for Krishna. That's their; it's the dev. That's their heart's desire. Krishna. Narayan comes along, and what do they say? Oh, nice, nice to see you, God. How's life? Actually, I think you are omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. You know, if you know everything, do you know where Krishna is? Can you show us that path? We'd be very helpful to us. Lakshmi would be very pleased with you if you showed us where Krishna was. Whatever their arguments might have been. So our vision, our vision is, is coming to us through Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that's why we hear again and again. We enter into Krishna Leela through Sri Chaitanya. That's our vision of God. We are accepting this one little section of a verse in the Bhagavatam as quintessential. So what is that? Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. All the different incarnations and incarnations of incarnations, all the different manifestations of Godhead are coming from the original personality, who is Krishna? When we talk about madhurya when we talk about sweetness, then we need to understand what is this sweetness that Krishna has that is, is the essence that pulls us to, to him, if it's his quint- if this sweetness is the topmost of his qualities, then what what is it about this sweetness that's not there in the other manifestations of the Supreme, the other avatars? He has, well, his human life qualities, but there's the, when we talked about the sweetness of Raj and Krishna's leela there, that sweetness is specifically manifested in four forms, is it not? So, what are those four particular sweetnesses? Prema, which is? His his loving exchanges with his devotees. Leela, yes. None of the other manifestations of the Supreme sit on the laps of their mother and father the way Krishna does. Nor do they steal butter, nor do they charm the, you know just charm everybody in the village just beyond so Leela Leela Madhurya Rupa Rupa is it doesn't matter what other form of Godhead we see and they're all magnificently beautiful beyond our wildest imaginations Krishna's got one up on all of them according to sampradaya Remember, according to our Sampradaya, and we will argue because we have Jiva Goswami there, he will argue on our behalf to support these points. Yes, Krishna is the most beautiful. Krishna has the most amazing Leela. Krishna's form, Krishna's Leela, Krishna's associates are really the topmost devotees who are in the topmost loving exchange with him. And he is going to attract everybody to him as the topmost. How? One last thing. His mantras. That come from his flute. Specifically calm Gayatri. Coming into cyclic succession. Which is that flute sound which enters in to the heart and makes us firm this is this is this is for me this Gaudiya God these other gods they're very nice lovable great personalities but I'll settle for Krishna I'll settle for Krishna so much that no matter what no matter what No matter how long it takes. No matter how tall the mountain. Life after life. And even when he neglects me. Pushes me away. My heart is broken. Because here I am a whole life and I haven't advanced one iota. Still. Next life. I'm praying. I'll be born. Somehow or other even as an insect, again, in the association of Krishna's devotees with his sadhus. I will eat the dust at their lotus feet at that birth. Then maybe that birth I'll make some real advancement. So that, that is the sweetness that is being brought out here by Vishwadha. That this maha Madurya, Kadamani, is coming from Sri Chaitanya. And it's infusing bhakti, the practice of bhakti. How is it infusing? What is the specific characteristic of Sri Chaitanya's movement that infuses the nine limbs of bhakti? that's also there in Chaitanya Charitamrita and it's brought out in the purport and guess what it's in these verses from Krista das Kavirash the Swami so we'll talk about a couple of those verses just to I'm trying to just give an essence of what's being presented in the book you should all read the book I just want to bring it out this is—it's an amazing thing when we see the way the acharyas put together support for these points. It's—it's—it's—you can see this is no, this is very carefully done. When you look at just a Mongol charan verse like this, how much, how much has been invested in it. How much spiritual potency is there coming from our Acharyas? Somebody like Vishwanath, who's relying on on what he learned from what? Krishnadas, Kaviraj, Goswami. How much he entered into the Lila. I I read an interesting introduction the other day by uh, uh, Narayan Maharaj. And he says there's there's even a group of Vaishnavs. this was at the beginning of a book I forget the name of the book right now I was doing some research online and I came across and then there was a bio of Vishwanath and I said, well, wow, let me read that that's interesting it was written by Narayan Maharaj and he was pointing out that actually at the time of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur many said he was actually Rupa Goswami had come he had more to do. But and then I never I'd never seen a list of, of Vishwana's writings before. Mm-hmm. Anybody that wants it, I'll give it I, I downloaded the book. The what he wrote. So many books, so many tikas, it's amazing how prof you know <clears throat> what do you say proficient? Prohibit. No, prolific. Pro- prolific he was. Yes. So let us Look at some of the, the supporting evidence for this infusion of the nine limbs of bhakti by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is that specific thing that infuses our practices? Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smaranam Padasetam. The specific, it's at the very beginning of, of Vishwanath's verse. Navabhakti sasha vitate sanjivet sanjivani. It infuses life in the grains of ninefold bhakti within the field of the heart, Hridevatre. Infuses the heart, the chitta. Chitta is easier to 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 give some true intent to. Our intellect, well, that's sometimes rough. We have so many conceptions, and the mind where well the mind's accepting and rejecting, so no matter what you throw at it, it's going to sometimes like it and sometimes not. Sometimes it's going to let it in and sometimes it's going to push it out. But at least the commentator here is making a distinction when we talk about the heart, the chitta, that it's 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 being infused with life. and that life, well, if we look to that section of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, remember that one pastime where Sanatogun Swami became infected, drink drank some bad water, and he went to to see Sri Chaitanya, and then he realized his deplorable material, physical condition, it was like you know, I don't I don't want God to touch me. He certainly knew of, of Sri Chaitanya's. Who he really was. I, 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 this is this is ridiculous. These oozing sores. I'm not going to let the Supreme touch me like this. And as soon as he sees me, it's just his nature to you know want to embrace me. He's so loving. You know, he showed me so much love and and uh, and concern in the past. I know he's going to try to pick me up in his arms. So. I think I I think we'll just get rid of this body. It's better. Of course, Lord Chaitanya taught him a lesson about that, but when teaching him that lesson, and this is in the Anchalila, the seventh um, the the uh, fourth chapter, the very end of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the last section, Anchalila, Lord Chaitanya is talking to Sanatana Goswami. He says these these two verses. Among the ways of executing devotional service, the nine prescribed methods are the best. For these processes have great potency to deliver Krishna and ecstatic love for him. So Lord Chaitanya is saying, Well, ninefold system we hear about in the Bhagavatam from Prahlad, that's the best. Then he goes on to say, of the nine processes of devotional service, the most important is to always chant the holy name of the Lord if one does so avoiding the ten kinds of offenses one very easily obtains the most valuable love of Godhead it's through Nam sankirtan through the chanting that we can successfully execute the nine other processes of devotional service and we hear this, don't we, again and again, that the chanting, whatever we're doing, the chanting makes it a success. It's an important point to remember that Shravanam, uh, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Pada, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanam, Vedanam, these nine processes, they're infused with Nam Sankirtan. And when we do our service and approach devotional service, specifically these nine best things, the quintessential of those is Nam Sankirtan, chanting. Again in Madhyalila, this verse is there. Simply by chanting the holy name of Krishna once, a person is relieved of all the reactions of a sinful life. One, com- one can complete, this is the Madhyalila. One can complete the nine processes of devotional service simply by chanting the holy name. If you pack them all up, they're there in the holy name. Simply by chanting, you are actually engaging in the full spectrum of devotional activity. Of course, what was that little word, watch world word? Offenselessly this infusion, Mahamadurya Kadambani. So we have the nine processes. What, what happened with the nine processes? Well, we have Rupa Goswami took those nine processes and in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu he expanded them into uh, 64 items, primary items, devotional practice. The author here again, Ananda Das Babaji, points out that Jiva Goswami has elaborated both in the Bhakti Sandarbha and in his Krama Sandarbha. Now, what is the Krama Sandarbha? That is his specific tikka on Srimad Bhagavatam. So, anyway, he points out that if we want to really understand you know, these nine processes, to, to look both to the Bhakti Sandarbha of Jiva, not only to what Rupa has given us, but also to, to what uh, Jeeva's goes given us, and specifically his commentary on the verse Svaranam Kirtanam Svaranam Patasevina by Prahlad Maharaj There's one other point that gets brought out, and that is the fact that if we know that, we notice I'm sure you've noticed that before the rains come, there's generally a a cooling breeze. You know, some air, the air kind of coming before the rains. So that's likened to uh, the fact that before we actually, that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation to us of you know go low care pray madan, harinam sankirtan this sankirtan that's coming that even before we're completely immersed in the showers of the rain that there's this cooling breeze and the cooling breeze in and of itself is sufficient to wipe away all our material miseries any questions I've told it. I'm five minutes over now, so I have to. I'm sorry I kept you over. I'll try to get my time in line. Thank you very much.